John, brother, I hope you heal up and, and come back soon. What a, a great man of God. I, I appreciate being able to uh, have the opportunity to participate in our, you know, your new sermon series. You're kicking it off today. Uh, in my 22 years in the Low Country, I've had uh, a steady connection with this, this parish of St. Paul's. For nine and a half years, I was uh, rector of Trinity Pinopolis, right? down the road. I mentioned Hurricane Hugo in, in my opening prayer, which is a little early this morning, but uh, and it, it, I just remember one of the first things we did after Hurricane Hugo is we changed the name of Pinopolis just to Opolis. <laughs> no pies. And I became friends with uh, rector at that time, Jeffrey Fishwick, and then I was absolutely elated when you all called Mike Lumpkin to be your rector many years ago. He and I have been friends for over 40 years, going back to our undergraduate days at Suwannee, uh, when we uh, both dated roommates, and so we would see each other frequently at that place of encounter. And uh, he and I were all, he, he and I were fierce competitors on the intramural basketball court. I mean, uh, th there are stories, but not enough time. Um, in more recent times, uh, Mike and I have come to know each other as, as brothers in Jesus Christ who share a common excitement and a common passion that the gospel you hear is true, that Jesus is risen from the dead and his Holy Spirit is among us, can be in us, uh, and transform our lives that we may go from strength uh, to strength. Everything Jesus said about sending himself in his Holy Spirit is true. He's the difference maker. Now, I've got to tell you before I go any further that you are in danger here this morning. You are looking at a man who, after finishing a wonderfully challenging 11 and a half years as the rector of Christ Church Mount Pleasant, went into semi-retirement about 16 months ago, and I've been having a great time working in music. I mean, I'm one of the, I think maybe the only 60-year-old head of a contemporary worship praise team that I, that I know anywhere in the country and doing some uh, liturgical stuff behind, behind the scenes at St. Michael's. And I got to tell you, I love having a little more discretionary time in my life and not being pressed to make 60 decisions a day, only 30 of which you see coming. Um, but I do miss preaching. You see, for 25 of my 33 years of ordained ministry, I've been used to preaching every single Sunday morning, and this will be the third sermon I have preached in a year. You are in danger. <laughs> now, I'm going to do my best, and one of the reasons I actually made notes, if I didn't make notes, have mercy on you today. I'm going to do my best not to try to open the fire hydrant too wide or keep it on too long, but I really am excited about the preaching series that's been selected, so, so let's get on with it. Friends to Jesus, friends to one another in Jesus, and friends to others for Jesus. As Mike said to you last week, when the Holy Spirit spoke to the Christians in the town of Ephesus, Ephesus was a town a lot like uh, this area of the low country. Uh, a lot of affluence, uh, a lot of mixture of people coming to it from lots of different places. Um, Ephesians is, is, is a book that St. Paul is inspired to write that really touches 
all the bases that Mike uh, wants us to, uh, to have inscribed on our hearts uh, more deeply over the next several weeks of being friends to Jesus and, and to one another in Jesus and for others uh, for Jesus. So the letter really could be called St. Paul's Letter to St. Paul's. Now before I'm done here this morning, what I'm hoping to do since this is the first Sunday of the series is put up before our eyes um, a broad canvas and to paint an overall vision for your sermon series uh, um, using a very broad brush at first. But I'm also going to take one part of the canvas uh, this morning and attempt to fill it uh, with more detail and, and I hope uh, clarity for you. Now if you have uh, your Bibles, let me get you to uh, take them out and turn to that Ephesians passage, or I, I think it can be uh, put on the screen. And we're going to be starting at the second chapter. Um, I really wanted to try to work in the gospel this morning, but, you know, we wanted to get out here before two. So, um, but just as a side note, it's really about the question, would you rather have justice or mercy in your life? I want mercy. Okay, enough of the gospel. Let's move on. Say, I worked it in. It wasn't too bad, was it? I want us to start by paying uh, special attention. Let's go to the next uh, screen there. There we go. Yeah. Um, to four segments of the reading. Verse 5, if you can find it. Made alive. You see that? Where is it? Coming to ages riches. Second line. Here we Made us alive with Christ even as we were dead in our transgressions. Now, uh, other, other translations say, made us alive together with Christ. And I think that's an important addition. Made us alive together with Christ. And it moves on. By grace you have been saved. In verse 8, this is not of your own doing. And then verse 10, we are His workmanship. Now, the first thing to take to heart this morning is to notice that the action and the initiative and all of the words that I've just put before you is taken by God. God made us alive together with Christ. By His grace, you have been saved. Not of your own doing. We are His workmanship. Our role in this is not one of initiation. Our role is one of response. God comes and says, I love you, I forgive you, tag, you're it. What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? Come unto me, all you that travail and are heavy laden. And what we're dealing with here is gift. G-I-F-T. Pure and unconditional. Now, I own a car. Also, uh, I'm temporarily having a microphone pack. Here we go. I have a set of car keys. I can uh, hold them out and choose to give them to you as a gift. And your name is? Alex. Alex. Uh, but he looks like a... a tar I'm sorry, you just look like my target today. <laughs> And your name is? Dylan. Dylan, stand up with me and be a, be a good sport. 
I, I, I own this. This is my, and this is key to my car. I have it. It's not yours. It's mine. But I can hold it out to you and say, here, there's a gift. Right. And you can choose to receive that or not. Now, temporarily, give them back to me. <laughs> now, maybe you're a guy that just says, I want your car. Just kind of turn, I want you to turn your back and walk 10 steps. Now, he's made a choice, but I'm making a choice, too. I can follow him with my... That's ten steps, I hope. Now, turn around. I can follow him with my hand held out. That is a posture of my life that I can choose to live in relationship with his life. I can follow you with a gift. I've already told you what I... I don't have to say anything else. I've proclaimed to you that I want you to have this. And it's going to be before you all the time. Now, for temporarily, take the keys again. Now, let's walk on back. He's got the keys. Oh, goody. And he may be so excited. You can even sit down with those for a minute. For a minute. <laughs> that he can say, golly, that was so good. That was such a wonderful experience. I'm going to go home and get a shadow box with a glass. And I'm going to put those keys in that. And every time I look at those keys, I'm going to sigh and say, wasn't that a great day? See, you can refuse it, the gift, or you can receive it and refuse to use the gift, to walk into it. Now, at this point, the analogy is over, and I want my keys back. (laughs) So what is the purpose of the gift, of the gospel gift? See, my gift to you was unconditional. It, I just held it out and I followed you around. But my gift to you was not without purpose. It was not purposeless. The gift is full of purpose. There, there's a wonderful place I want you to go in my car and you can't get there without my gift. And I, and I want you, by the way, to fill up the seats with others as you go. Uh, so the gift is pregnant with purpose, but, but it's a gift. You can refuse it, or you can frame it, or mothball it, what have you. So what is the purpose of the gift of the gospel given by the Father through the Son to be empowered in our lives at this very moment by His Holy Spirit? What is the purpose? I submit that we now take a closer look at those first four words of Ephesians that I held out to you uh, in the translation that I prefer, that I wanted to highlight. Made alive together with Christ. And my first question to you this morning is, what does it mean for you to be alive? What does that really mean? To be alive. Some would say, (laughs) that's easy. Breathe in, breathe out. You know, wax on, wax off, Daniel's son. Um, That's old karate kid movie. (laughs) 
keep that blood pumping through your veins. Keep that body warm. I submit to you that what I have just described to you is not life, but existence. There is a difference. In the Bible, all through the Bible, and this is a great way to, to keep this definition and have it inscribed on your heart so that as you read Scripture and you see the word life, plug into it and see uh, if it doesn't come to life a bit more uh, for you. All through the Bible, when it talks about what it truly means to be alive, it's talking about a quality of relationship, a quality of relationship. Anybody who's ever been depressed, and to one degree or another, all of us have been there, uh, the weight of circumstance and life being what it can be. There are times in depression where you know only too sadly the difference between existence and life. Now, let me differentiate here. There's nothing wrong with having what I would call some blessed solitude. In fact, we need a measure of solitude in our noisy, noisy, distracted lives. But there is a difference between having some solitude and having a life that feels like it is locked in solitary confinement. That, my friends, is a description of hell. Locked in solitary confinement. Think of the times you have felt most alive. Maybe ponder that uh, this afternoon. When your life really comes alive, there is a shared aspect to it just every time. Even if you're alone at the time, there's this magnetism to want to say, man, i got to tell you what happened to me today. When your life really comes alive, there's a passion that burns within you to share what's inside of you, to connect with another. And the image that, I guess the TV's just burned this into me over the is Jim Valvano, Jimmy V, of, of the coach of North Carolina State in 1983 when he won the NCAA tournament against all odds. It was just great. He was an enthusiastic guy, and the clock ran out, and he just burst into elation and ran out on the floor looking for somebody to hug. Everybody was hugging somebody else. And here's the coach saying, i got to connect with somebody with this. This is too good. I can't just stand here and be pleased by myself. Life is a quality of shared relationship. Eternal life is a quality of shared relationship capable of being offered by the one who has eternal life to one who is capable of receiving it as a gift. It's a quality that goes from strength to strength, from joy to joy. It's a quality of life that never grows old. It only grows more and more full, abundant. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Now let me reduce all of what I've just said to one word. Communion. Life is communion. Eternal life is holy communion. 
This is where we start. This is the foundation. This is the bedrock of truth, the bedrock of the purpose upon which life, real life, true life is built. It is out of Holy Communion that the fullness and the abundance of what it means to live is to flow and to grow. Therefore, in a sermon series in which you will take a look as a community at what it means to be friends with Jesus and friends with one another and friends with others, I will now submit to you that the proper starting point, the proper foundation, the proper launching pad for everything that is to follow these next weeks is worship. Receiving the gift of friendship from Jesus brings us into a new spirit that washes us clean with forgiveness. Again and again, I sometimes envision the blood of Jesus Christ as a transfusion of forgiveness into my own spiritual bloodstream, cleansing and purifying as it goes throughout my life. A gift, not of my own doing, something that I can't get. You know, you can't get a gift. You can only receive it. Something I can receive. With Christ, we are brought into holy communion with God. The outward and visible response of a human being that has received this amazing gift of grace through Jesus Christ is worship. Worship is the only thing, it's the only thing beside our sins that you and I can offer God. Worship is the only thing that we can offer Him in return for the free gift, the graceful gift of Jesus. Now, how many of y'all have been around St. Paul's just for a little bit? Kind of raise your hand. A good bit of you. Okay, I'm going to do a little something here for the, for the initiated. Uh, let's just practice here. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Okay, let's see if there's something got etched in there. That's good. What Jesus Christ has accomplished for us is nothing less than bringing us into a life of holy communion with God the Father where love replaces fear and praise replaces guilt. Let me let you hear that again. Where love replaces, displaces. Perfect love casts out fear. And where praise displaces, shoves out guilt. The reception of the gift squeezes uh, out those cancerous things that uh, keep us locked in solitary confinement in our spirit. So our first response to this gift, you see, our first response is to go up. Lift up your hearts. That's where we start. We lift up our hearts to the Father in praise and thanksgiving because the gift of amazing grace in Jesus opens for us the way to become truly alive and not just exist for day after day, month after month, year after year, the clock ticking, the clock ticking, the clock ticking. To come alive inside our lives. And the beginning of coming alive inside of your life is to be found in coming alive inside of your worship. I want you to see how this connects. It's true. Living worship. When you come here, have your invest in it. Let this worship come alive because it's in you and being poured up and out to God. 
where you are more and more allow yourself to pour yourself into learning. You know, the best teacher you will ever have is yourself because you won't learn anything that you don't want to. Invest yourself in wanting to hear the gospel. Ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, as I listen to whatever this guy's saying, you write on my heart something you really want me to hear because you know I need it. Pour yourself into prayer and praise. Pour yourself into thanksgiving and receiving the immeasurable riches of Jesus Christ. I'm speaking now about worship that doesn't just exist. It comes alive. Living worship. But this phrase, living worship, goes beyond a single event shared by a gathered community on Sunday morning. A key to understanding what it means for you to come alive in your own life is to realize that living worship is intended to be descriptive of who you are. Living worship is intended to be descriptive of you, your self-definition. Living worship is meant to define what it is you are wanting to do on planet Earth besides inhaling oxygen and exhaling CO2. Whether you are a mother or a father or single or divorced, live and lift up your personal life as worship. Whether you work in the Boeing factory or in a landscape business or in banking or law or teaching or construction, learn to lift up your professional life as worship. Whether you are a teenager growing up, middle-aged and full of all sorts of cares, or an empty nester and going through big life transitions, learn to lift up the ages and stages of your life as worship. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it abundantly more and more. That's John 10, 10, by the way. Lifting up our lives to God and Christ through Christ and with Christ. This, I think, is the starting point for the full and abundant life. We start by going up. But if we're going to truly live the abundant life that moves more deeply into a life of holy communion with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, then learning what it means to come alive is going to involve not only going up in worship, it's going to involve moving into discipleship with Jesus and one another and moving out with the gospel in Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. Even as God has shown himself to us, revealed himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit persons, it should not surprise us, therefore, that our abundant life moves in a dynamic relationship itself, a relationship that moves up and in and out. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three are necessary. All three are interconnected. That's the way to live in the image of God. St. Paul's is seeking, I think, to paint a big picture of life that truly comes alive within a spiritual, dynamic relationship that is always moving up and in and out, a relationship of holy communion with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is the big picture, I think, and I believe you're going to hear more about this and how it all connects in the coming weeks. But today is about understanding that the foundation, starting point, the launching pad 
is worship, living worship, worship that truly comes alive in the Christian community, and worship that is truly lived in the world as a definition of who we are and how we see the purpose of life and the launching pad of what it truly means to live. Let us pray. Mm. Lord, I have a feeling that probably a good many of those who are here in worship today that maybe right about now may be feeling buried under an avalanche of thoughts. I just pray that you uh, send your Holy Spirit to be uh, the spiritual pen that takes something out of the pile for them and writes it simply and indelibly on their hearts. Write something today, Lord Jesus, that sticks and blesses and feeds and transforms. And bless, I pray, this community of St. Paul's as they seek to explore with you the wonderful riches of your amazing grace, as they seek to truly come alive as friends of yours, friends of one another, and true friends for everyone for whom, Lord Jesus, you hung upon the cross.